Man, if you are glad to be here today, say out loud, I'm glad to be here. Go. I'm glad to be here. Yes. Excellent. Youth group is on top of it today. I like that. That's good. Hey, we're going to be in Ephesians 4 again today. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and get those out and turn there with me. We'll be there in a few moments. Also, you might want to put a finger in Acts chapter 2. We'll be there right after uh, Ephesians as we finish up our series today entitled Called by God. Because church, every single one of us have been called by God, not just ministers, not just folks who are elders in a church, but every single one of us who've said yes to Jesus Christ are on mission together. We're so glad that we've been called, amen? I mean, into that storyline is so incredibly important. But before we get into our text today, I want to take a, a couple of minutes for a, two different things. Number one, uh, Lori is doing a great job as our kids minister, and please let her know that. Um, yeah, sure, right now. But, you know, we've got our, our summer quarter is upon us, and she's needing a couple of other volunteers this summer, and uh, she's needing a teacher and a helper. And you may have never... Never uh, offered that before for kids' ministry. And you might think, man, I'm not sure what I'd be doing. But Lori can teach you and train you and get you where you need to be. Uh, we definitely need her. I mean, how many of us in here love our kids? Raise your hand. If you love kids. Now, some, some hands did not go up. That's okay. We'll forgive you. Um, but... You know what? We all love our kids, and we want what's best for them. And so what better way to share Jesus and the story of Jesus with them this summertime? Uh, get with Lori and let her know you're willing to help out however you can. Uh, secondly, uh, I would be remiss to, to move forward in, in the message this morning without recognizing the hurt and the pain that's going on just south of us in Uvalde. I mean, it is so... I cannot imagine that community and the pain they must be in right now. None of us could imagine sending our kids to school and then them not coming home. Or, or the shooting that's happened in, in New York. As we think about the loss of life and we're, at times in these moments, we wonder, where is God in this picture? What we need to be reminded of is God is always with us, even when we're in the valley. And so I want to offer a prayer uh, as a church this morning for those families who are suffering right now. So if you would, let's bow together. Father, this morning we come to you on bended knee, recognizing that you are the God, and you are an awesome God. And there are moments like uh, families are experiencing in Uvalde who are, who are wondering, God, how could this possibly have happened? That the pain that they are experiencing right now is beyond words. And God, the only thing we know to do in these very difficult moments is to reach out to you and ask your Holy Spirit to be present with us. And so, God, we ask that your tender, loving arms just wrap around those families, make your presence ever known to them right now. God, I pray that you would be with the, the families that have surrounding those families who have suffered loss, that you would give them strength and encouragement, fortitude to walk with these families through the pain and the lament and the difficulty. I ask you be with those frontline workers who are trying to help in that area. And God, our prayer again is just for, for peace in this world. And we know that there are days when it seems like Satan has won, but help us all to be reminded that, that the war has already been won. And Jesus Christ is that victor. Thank you, God, for letting us be a part of that story. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
You know, as we dig into this letter to the church at Ephesus, we're reminded that Paul is in a Roman prison. He knows he's nearing the end of his life. It's about 61 AD. And he wants to encourage the church in Ephesus because we have the letter. He's encouraging us today as well to be reminded that God has done so very much for us. The first three chapters of Ephesus, of Ephesians rather, um, really Paul is writing, God has done more than we possibly could imagine through his son, Jesus Christ. He's given us life. So because of that, we're called to live a separate, set-apart, sanctified life. That's the last three chapters of the book of Ephesians. God's done so much for us. Live a life worthy of your calling. That's what Paul is challenging us to do this morning. Take a look at the first verse of chapter 4. Paul reminds us, God has done so much for you through Christ Jesus. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. You can just feel the emotion in that one verse. The passion that Paul has. He's on his hands and knees. He's begging the church, remember what God has done for you. That means live a different life than what the world is offering. Jesus has died for you. He's done so much for you. Live a life worthy of that calling. And you and I at times feel called to a career path or or a certain job. We feel called maybe to marry a certain individual, maybe root for a certain team. And all of those could be callings, maybe called into ministry, called to be a missionary overseas. There's lots of different ways we can be called. But Paul is reminding all of us that we've been called to this higher calling. It's an everyday task. It's not just on a Sunday morning or when we're on the mission field for a week in the summertime, but it's every single day of our life we've been called into that story to reveal Jesus to those around us. That's the call that we're challenged to every single time that we, we put our feet on the floor in the morning and we walk out that front door. But we also have to realize that it's not in our own power that we're able to accomplish that calling, that it's not through our own power that we're able to to move into that story, but by the Holy Spirit living within us and His power is how we can accomplish anything at all, church. It's the Holy Spirit who does that within us. If you take a look at Acts chapter 2, there is an interesting story. Acts chapter 1 is a little chaotic for those who follow Jesus because Jesus has met with them. He's ascended to heaven, but before he ascends to heaven, he's challenging those disciples that have remained. He says, I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to share the story with the entire world, but I want you to to know that I'm going to send back my Holy Spirit to you. You're not going to be able to do this on your own, but I'm going to send back the counselor, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to live within you and to to move you into the story. And then something miraculous happens, the first part of Acts chapter 2. It says, on the day of Pentecost, that's 50 days after the Passover, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like tongues or flames of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present, not just the disciples, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. 
And at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. They'd come to celebrate Pentecost. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers from Galilee telling the story of Jesus. What we see in this text is one group, the church, ready to speak the story of Jesus Christ. And we have another group, the world, who is ready to listen to the story of Christ. And I would challenge you and put to you this morning... The church, we are in a a blessed place right now because I feel like the world is searching for that story. They're looking for the hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ. They're looking for the unconditional love that only Christ can offer. They're looking for ways to move into forgiveness and leave their past behind, which is something only Jesus Christ can accomplish. And we as the church get to celebrate that every single day because it's happened to us. We shouldn't keep that story within us, but share it with all those that we come in contact with each and every day because we're transformed by Jesus. A couple of weekends ago, I was at a grad party and uh, I got to talk to one of the graduates' uh, grandfathers. Uh, He and I got to talking for about 20 or 30 minutes and uh, he knows who I am. He knows what I do for a living and yet he was preaching the gospel to me. (laughs) I loved it. It was great. And uh, he was just talking about his life. He'd grown up in the church. He'd kind of fallen away from the church, just got busy with life. And then I think it was his son invited him back not too many uh, years ago back to the church. And he heard a sermon. And as he thought through that sermon, he thought that was a good sermon, but but he wasn't quite ready to make that recommitment. He came back the next Sunday because he was invited, and again, the same thing happened. Great message, but didn't move him to kind of reconnect with Jesus. But the third time he came back, the preacher was preaching on the prodigal son, and he said, in that story, I saw myself. I was the prodigal, and Jesus was the one, God was the one wrapping me up pulling me back into his story. You see, church, Jesus transforms us. He makes us different people. And in your circles of influence, you have folks that you will touch and talk to that I will never get to. You have the ability to interact with that cashier at the grocery store that you always go to, that that postal worker behind the counter where you buy your stamps, that, that mail person that drops off the mail at your house, that that teacher that coaches and teaches your kids, you have the opportunity to interact with those folks and tell them through words or your behavior how important Jesus is to you in your life. And so if Jesus prepares us to tell the story and he's opened the doors for the world to hear that story as well, what specifically is our challenge this morning? What are we called to do in that process of calling I want to give you two things I think that will help us as we move into our story and then couch our story within the story of God and share the message of Jesus throughout this summer. That's what I want to challenge you is think about this summer. How are you going to interact in the story of God? The first idea is this. Dare to believe that the Holy Spirit lives within you. Dare to believe that the Holy Spirit lives within you. Jesus says something interesting to his disciples as he's gathering with them. This is the Last Supper moment. This is uh, just a few moments before he's arrested and then is crucified. 
And he says in John chapter 14 and verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. Now, I find it interesting in this story that the first thing that Jesus tells the disciples is not that the Holy Spirit is powerful and he's everywhere and nothing really conquers him, although all of that is true. Jesus doesn't say the first thing. He doesn't say it's going to be an emotional experience for you with the Holy Spirit when you get that transformation going in your life. Well, that could be the truth for you. The first thing he tells the disciples is the Holy Spirit will never leave you. He'll always be with you. And in your own life, you're going to discover as many of us have the ebb and flow of life, there are going to be moments when you're on a mountaintop. You feel the Holy Spirit in you. You feel his presence, his guidance, his direction. And in your own mind, you may even vocalize it like I have before. Not today, Satan. I've got today because I feel the Spirit with me. And there are other days when you don't feel him at all. You feel defeated and deflated. You're not sure exactly the right course of action to pursue. But what Jesus wants to remind us of is even in those days, the Holy Spirit is with you, always with you. He'll never leave you, never leave you alone. And the Holy Spirit isn't with you because you feel him in your life. The Holy Spirit is with you because Jesus promised that he would be. And we can always bank on Jesus' word, his promise, reminds us to be ready. And I believe every single day, all of us, every single one of us, have doors of opportunity that the Holy Spirit places in our path to retell the story of Jesus, to point people back to Jesus, to help people look away from the world and look to Jesus. There was a Moment in 2013 when I first got this job, my youngest son was finishing up high school. He was a senior, and uh, our shepherds uh, said, why don't you come and work for us and uh, preach? And uh, if, if it's okay, Robin and Garrett can stay home and he can finish school. I said, that would be great if that, if that would be okay with y'all. And they were gracious, let, let that happen. So the fall of 2013, um, I flew home every weekend. I left on Thursday, came back on Saturday, a 90-minute flight from Dallas to Kansas City so that I could watch my son play football and reconnect with the family. It was, it was a great opportunity. But going and coming both, I always was kind of finishing up sermon notes and my thought process. And so on the plane, I would get out my Bible and my laptop. And I remember this one particular trip going to Kansas City. I got on the plane, but I had checked in late, so I was one of the last ones to board. And you know what that means, middle seat. <laughs> so I get on the plane, and I'm kind of going to the back of Southwest. I'm at the very back row, and sure enough, I've got a middle seat in between a guy who's on the window and a lady who's, who's on the on the aisle. Excuse me, I kind of move in, sit down, put my bags under. We take off. Once we get airborne and everything's okay to get stuff out, I get out my laptop and then my Bible. And the lady next to me said, I knew it. <laughs> and I said, knew what? You're a pastor, aren't you? I said, well, actually, yes, I am. I'm a preacher in Grand Prairie. I said, do we have a certain look or something? I mean, how, <laughs> how did you know? 
ends up she had been praying that somebody would come into her life where she could talk to them about her parenting and her teens who she was having a tough time connecting with. And so we ended up talking for probably about an hour about family and parenting and how Jesus fits in that mix and, and pointers along the way that, that seemed to help me and Robin as we raised our boys. And uh, it was a reminder that the Holy Spirit opens doors in every opportunity. Doesn't matter if you're on a trip or you're on vacation. Holy Spirit doesn't take vacation, does he? He's always looking for ways for people to see Jesus. It's like at our 20th anniversary celebration, Robin and I went to Cabo, Mexico, and we were going to have a good time. We're on vacation, on the beach, exciting. We're having a good time. And we had talked about going to one of these timeshare things uh, because we knew there was a free gift at the end. That's what we wanted. And we said, we even coached each other in the hotel room. We are not going to buy anything. We're not buying anything. We're not buying anything. And we succeeded. We did not buy anything. But we did get the free gift, which was a sunset cruise on this open boat with other people, of course, and a Mexican meal. We thought, that's great. I like free meals. That's a good thing. So we went out the next evening on the boat, sat down, had a good meal, beautiful sunset, ocean kind of swaying a little bit. About 30 minutes in, Robin says, I don't feel so well. And I said, if you know, and most of you know I'm a pretty picky eater. I ate as well, and I was doing fine. That was kind of miraculous. So I said, why don't we go to the front of the boat and just get a little bit of air? So we did. We got up to the front of the boat. There is one African-American man standing there, probably in his 40s. He was just staring out into oblivion. So I introduced myself. He introduced himself, and I noticed this look of consternation. And I, I asked him, I said, can I ask you, I feel like you're not okay, like something's not right. And the tears begin to flow when I ask that question. He said, a couple of days ago, we were out on an excursion. There was an accident. My wife is now in a coma in a hospital here in Mexico. We've got two little boys, and to get them out of that environment, I just, I brought them on this, this boat thing just to get them out. And so Robert and I gathered around him, and we prayed for him. We talked about family and parenting and the importance of recognizing Jesus is with us even in dark, difficult moments. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't take vacations. We've all got to look for ways to answer the calling and lean into the story of God in different ways. Last summer, Rob and I went on a cruise. It seems like I'm gone all the time. That's not true. We're on a cruise, and it's the first one that we had taken just her and I together without kids and extended family or whatever, so we were having a good time. Woke up one morning. I went down to get some coffee early. Robin's getting ready in the room. I got my coffee. I went to the elevator, and one young guy pulls up beside me. He's going up as well. He's about my son's age, and on it, he's wearing this T-shirt, and it says Harding. And uh, I'm in the middle of the Caribbean, and I said, oh, is that Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas? He goes, oh, yeah, you, you know about Harding? And I said, yeah, I went there a couple of years. And uh, he said, oh, wow, are you uh, a Church of Christ guy? And I said, yeah, I'm actually a preacher in the Dallas area. And he said, oh, my goodness, I've been praying for this moment. I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> but he said, I'm wanting to go into this mission work, but my fiance is not too on fire about it, and I'm not sure how to balance that. Could you meet me for breakfast tomorrow morning so we can talk about that? And we met, and we talked through some of those things. The point being is that each and every one of us 
are called into the story of God, Holy Spirit never takes vacation. Look for ways and recognize the Holy Spirit lives within you. But in order to answer that calling, you and I are going to have to step out of our boat. We're going to have to step out of our comfort zone, our area of safety. Matthew chapter 4 reveals to us that Peter is a fisherman. His dad is also a fisherman. He knows the value of a, a tight, waterproof boat ship out on the Sea of Galilee. He knows the dangers that exist out on the water if you're not very careful. He's been around fishing his whole life. But the story in Matthew chapter 14 really speaks to me and you because the boat represents our safety, our imagination of control, our comfort level. That's what the boat represents. And in Matthew chapter 14, the text that I want to look at right before that is where Jesus feeds the 5,000. Jesus is teaching and preaching and then feeds the 5,000. And right after that, he tells the 12, get in a boat and go out in the Sea of Galilee. I'll be back with you a little bit later. And then he dismisses the crowd. And after he dismisses the crowd, he goes up on the mountain by himself to pray. And after that time of prayer, he comes back down and then begins to walk on water out to where the boat is and the disciples. Now, the disciples get pretty scared because they're looking, seeing this guy walking on water, and they think it's a ghost. And Jesus says, don't worry, it's just me. And in that moment, Peter says, Jesus, call me to you. Let me come to you on the water. And this is a part of the story that I think we tend to glaze over because we focus on the negative as human beings. Peter gets out of the boat and he actually begins to walk on water until he gets sidetracked by all the stuff going on around him, the waves and the sea, and he begins to sink. Jesus saves him and both of them get back in the boat. I find it interesting in the story and his relationship with Peter that that Jesus actually goes to Peter. He comes to Peter on Peter's terms. They've been building relationship over the past several years in Jesus' ministry. And Jesus doesn't demand great steps of faith, but he comes to where Peter, his area of safety and comfort really lie. And there will come a day in our life too where Jesus will come to your boat where Jesus will come to your place of safety. And there's nothing wrong with where you're at right now. Jesus is part of your story. He wants you to answer the call. But Jesus simply tells us, look, there's so much more than your boat. You feel you control everything. You think that's where you're comfortable and safe. But there's so much more that I can show you in life. And in order for you to see more in life, you're going to have to take a step of faith. You're going to have to step out of your boat. You have to do something you've never done in order to see something that you've never seen before. And I don't know exactly what your boat looks like today, but there will come a day when Jesus approaches you in your metaphoric boat and he's going to ask you to step out with him. Get out of your safe zone, your comfort zone. But everything within you is going to want to stay right there where you feel like you're in control, where you feel like everything is safe, where you feel like everything is, is kind of in your comfort level. But I want to remind you this morning, church, that one step out of your boat, realizing that there is a miracle just on the other side. 
When you decide to step out of your zone toward Jesus, there's a miracle every single time. So how do we act? Do we act out of faith or we act in fear as we answer our call, telling the story of Jesus in your life, through your life, to the world around us who is eagerly awaiting? I don't know exactly where you are in life, but I do know this. There's a miracle just on the other side. And all you have to do is listen to the call, answer the call, and step out of your comfort zone. You and I have to believe that the power of the Holy Spirit lives within each one of us. And that we're called to so much more than what exists in our boat. Paul says, God's done so much for you. Live a life worthy of your calling. And this morning, as we wrap our, our minds around that call and what that might look like for each and every one of us, it's a reminder that, that we have been called into this special moment to tell a, a world living in darkness about the beauty of following Jesus Christ, the peace that you and I have because of that, the, the unconditional love that we've experienced, the forgiveness, and the, the, the ability to release and let go of the guilt that we have, the sin we have in our life, because Jesus now lives within us. Remember all that God's done for you and live a life worthy of your calling. Now, there may be some here this morning that you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. You don't have that Holy Spirit living within you, but that can change today. It's so important. I can't overemphasize the, the importance of living with Jesus Christ every single day in your life saying yes to him as your Lord and Savior, being baptized into his name, and then having his Holy Spirit live within you allows you to conquer what's in front of you tomorrow and weeks and months and years to come. And there may be some in here this morning, at, at some point you said yes to all of that, but there have been distractions, there have been great waves, and you began to sink a little bit in your story. But know that Jesus is right there. There's a miracle just around the corner. And as we sing this next song, let, let one of our shepherd couples pray for you and over you. Find them and go to them and let them remind you of how very precious you are in the eyes of God. Live a life worthy of your calling. Now let's stand with one voice and praise his holy name.